You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can find the show handle on most social media platforms, at Locked On Hornets. You can find myself on Twitter, at Walker Mail and Doug at Doug Branson LOH. We'll get to some of the tweets that you guys sent us after the podcast yesterday. We'll get to that probably in the third segment, talk a little NBA playoffs, and have another player eval. Bismack Biombo is up next. Yeah! As we reach into the hat of random Hornets players, we select Bismack Biombo just a day after Tony Parker. So we're reaching for the important Hornets that are going to be here for a long time in this franchise. At least one more year for Bismack Biombo. So as we do, we break it down in past, present, and future. That's the what future, we did last year. The year 2000. We're going to do it again this year. So looking at the past of Bismack Biombo, looking exactly, one, kind of how it affects the Hornets about how he got that contract in the first place because the Hornets didn't give him that contract. He got it after a tremendous series against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So it's $17 million. It's going to be the last year of that contract because he did opt into his player option and that was no surprise even though he tried to fool us on exit interview day saying you know he's got to check some things out he doesn't know if he's going to sign or not he's got a lot of things to figure out before he decides if he wants to make the 17 million dollars Doug ultimately he did decide to go ahead and sign yeah he checked his wallet saw that it was empty Mm -hmm. decided he'd like 17 more million (laughs) dollars to go into that wallet and took his option. So he's a Charlotte Hornet because he took so much time to look into that wallet. <laughs> Great move, by the way. <laughs> the reason he has $17 million, at least the ability to make $17 million, he decided to take that opportunity, was because of one series. Just one. It was with the Toronto Raptors in 2015 and 2016. And remember, it was actually a time where the Toronto Raptors were the number two seed, made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals to play the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Bismack Biombo put up sick numbers, just sick. You look at Game 3 and Game 4. Game 3, Bismack Biombo had a total of 26 rebounds. The Toronto Raptors win Game 3 at home. Bismack Biombo in Game 4 has 14 rebounds. He plays... 30 minutes a game in that series. And after that's done, of course, they get beat 4-2 by the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron James led. Orlando decides, you know what? I'll give you $17 million to come over here and average six points for us and seven rebounds. And sure enough, that's exactly what Bismack Biombo did. And then eventually was traded to the Charlotte Hornets. But Doug, there's the story of how he was paid even $17 million. Can we take a further step back and talk about how... Bismack Biombo landed in Toronto and sure. got and got Toronto to believe in him after this is the, the Hornets. Deep yeah, after the Hornets decided to set him free, and it was a a stretch of play that Biombo had in 2014-15. That was the first year that Charlotte became the Charlotte Hornets, and Biz was stepping into the starting role in place of Al Jefferson, who was injured at the time. And he put together a string of double-doubles from January 10th uh, to, uh, let's see, January 21st. The Hornets go 4-1 and one in that stretch. 14 points, 12 rebounds on January 10th uh, against the Knicks. Then follows it up 12-15 and 15 with five blocks and a loss to San Antonio, but a close loss. 
then eight and fourteen, then eight and six, and then twelve and twelve against the Heat, and ten and five against Cleveland. Actually, four and two during that six-game stretch, and then he goes back to the bench after Jefferson returns. But I mean, it was the best I remember Biombo playing as a member of the Charlotte Hornets. Not the best moment. That, of course, coming mm-hmm. in Memphis when he hit the Euro step. I was there to personally witness it. Of course, the Euro step, and then it's closely followed by that stretch of games that he did play pretty well for the he, Hornets. He looked like a legitimate option. I remember Jefferson came back, and everyone was going, look, you have to. But we were kind of entertaining it. It's like, oh, could we? Were could we, we really? That's a bad time. Were we really doing that? I think you, you were like, ah, could, because this was a time of Lance Stevenson, and things were not going according <laughs> we to our any best kind of at plan. That time. Yeah, everything was sort of going wrong at that point. So everything and anything was on the table. But the Hornets eventually do, do go to Jefferson. So he did get here with a three-team trade. The Orlando Magic and the Chicago Bulls were also involved. Charlotte received Bismack Biombo and two future second-round picks in the 2019 draft and the 2020 NBA draft. And real quickly, that 2020 pick in the second round, it's the most elaborate stipulation-based thing I've ever seen in my entire life. The way that the Hornets were able to get that second round pick from the Washington Wizards because it went to Atlanta, then it went to Denver. Now Denver has to send that Washington pick from Orlando to the Charlotte Hornets because Denver had a pick that falled inside or fell, I should say, inside 55 and 60 overall in the NBA draft. That pick's been a part of more organizations than Luke Ridenauer. Oh! <laughs> in the sense, Luke Ridenauer did it in a very small amount of time was what he did. But you do have that pick going to the Charlotte Hornets now, and it's going to be the 37th overall selection, which actually turns out pretty good. So you get Bismack Biombo, you send Timothy Mozgov to the Magic, and Julian Stone to the Bulls. Love me some Julian Stone. Don't really know why, but I did. Additionally, Orlando received guard Jerry and Grant, and... Uh, they got them. They got him from Chicago in that deal. Hornets, like I said, they get the 37th pick. So now here's Bismack Biombo. You look at what he did this season. He played the least amount of games in his career, but had the most starts since his second year in the league, which is kind of weird. Second least amount of minutes per game since the third year of his career. And you look at his entire career, seems like that third year was the worst season that he's ever had as a basketball player. And then the impressive stretch, as you just mentioned, that came in the fourth year. But this year... You saw him. He averaged the lowest amount of points since his third year in the league. He had to play because of all the time that Zeller missed this season, and you had a lot of defensive liabilities from Hernan Gomez that were just too much to stomach for James Borrego and all of the coaching staff. So they decided to go with Bismack Biombo as the starter, and he would play roughly about, I think, 15 minutes per game. It was 14 and a half this season. So you saw Bismack. It was not somebody that everybody was thrilled to see out there on the basketball court. I think at the beginning where he had to fill in for Cody Zeller, there was a decent maybe couple of games he played, and then it was pretty clear this is a guy that's an awful offensive option, but they had no other big man they could go to that would help you win basketball games once Cody Zeller was injured. No, his starts were representative of a you know a five position for the Hornets that was Really, there were a lot of question marks surrounding the five going into the season, and they just became it became more and more apparent that they didn't have a great option there throughout the season. But I will give uh, Biz credit for this. He was very good at the things that he needed to be very good at, which is setting screens for Kimball Walker. Because if you're not going to stretch the floor for Kimball Walker, you got to be able to set screens for him and you know get him some looks inside or in the mid range where Kimba really shined this season. We I think we went through those stats. Uh, a few weeks ago where Kemba 
uh, is what wasn't taking as many shots around the rim this year. Actually, a lot of his uh, scoring bump this season came from mid-range, and I think uh, Bismack late in the season was able to open up some stuff for Kimball Walker there. Uh, but So he was a great screen setter, good rebounder, and a physical defensive presence on a team that did not have a ton of those. So he's in the league. He's a league-worthy <laughs> center. I did my best. I you was know, trying to tell you some things. I he's was an NBA player. Best. I like Biz. No, he's an NBA player. He's He was signed. No, that's basically what it is, even if you take this away. So, look, he, he's got one more year where he's going to make $17 million, and then after that he's probably going to be on the books for the vet minimum. Now, that's what Bismack Biombo is worth to me. He is worth being on a roster, though. As I was kind of joking, kind of not. He's worth being on a roster. Certainly not for $17 million. I don't think anybody would dispute that. No, he'd be a great reserve piece on a on a playoff threat type of team where you could bring him in and, and neutralize another uh, another team's you know great interior player. So when you talk about Bismack Biombo's future and how it kind of relates to the Hornets, there's really no trade value, right? It, it's coming off of the book, so maybe there is some value for it being expiring. It's not Nick Batum's contract, so maybe if there's any trade negotiations, you start at Nick Batum and you end up at a Bismack Biombo or a Marvin Williams or an MKG. That's how I feel of what trade value Bismack Biombo has with his contract because there's not a whole lot there. Yeah, you might be able to see some bad teams who like to take big money, but then you've of course, of course you have to give up things yeah. to allow that to happen. So you just got to roll with it. I don't, and I don't think that, and usually that happens with teams that are wanting to make some moves to get better. I'm not sure the Hornets will be in that position. They, they probably are just going to want to stick with this money and then let it fall off the books naturally, or they could stretch it. Yeah, that would be bad for this for Bismack. You know that w- I wouldn't love stretching Bismack Biombo. You just got to get. Okay, off I'm of- just saying it's an option. No, I hear you. No, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, you're providing the options. I'm saying I would hope they wouldn't do that. But yeah, it's it's the only thing that you could possibly do if you really wanted to try to save money because you are not going to be able to trade them all that easily. And I know Zach Lowe might predict that Nick Batum is going to be off the books, but at least Nick Batum. He's able to give you it's worse money. I think you'd rather get rid of that contract because it's more. But Nick Batum is somebody that could help more than Bismack out there on the right. Basketball and you don't court. stretch Bismack Biombo unless you plan to contend. Like yeah. you don't stretch Bismack Biombo and then plan to lose. You just keep Bismack Biombo because he probably, in some respects, helps you lose. All right, that's our player evaluation for Bismack Biombo: the past, you, the present, the future. Are you in your car a lot, driving to work, driving the kids around? If you have a smart device in your car, and more and more of you do now, tell your smart device to play Locked On Hornets. Don't fumble around with your phone and Bluetooth. Just say "Play Locked On Hornets" and make drive time LOH time. We'll be back after the break. Talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs. I guess some of the worst owners and organizations. And how they ran in the league. The Suns just fired Igor Kokoskov after one year of coaching the Suns. Just a disastrous organization. Also get to some of your Twitter questions. It's the LOH Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. The one draft pick you hit on was Kimba Walker. And you, you drafted Bismack Biombo before him. Don't! You got it right the second time, which is great. I am too smart. SMRT. But you drafted Biombo before Kimba Walker. So, <laughs> again, you almost messed that one up as well. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Repeat, repeat what you just said. <laughs> repeat what you just said. 
to me before coming back from yes. break. Just looking at Twitter, scrolling down the timeline, and Ian Rappin Ian Rappaport of Who? Yeah, Rappaport. Ian Rappaport of the <laughs> NFL network. He tweeted out that the Seahawks and the Chiefs are in deep talks on a trade to send star Frank Clark to Kansas City. The compensation would include a first rounder, a twenty twenty second rounder, and a swap of mid rounders. To complete it, the franchise tagged player and the Chiefs must hammer out a deal. So I read that and I thought I said to Doug out loud that the Chiefs are undergoing a massive deal for Frank Clark, and I really don't get it. And Doug said, "I don't get anything that you just said. I have no none of the Frank Clark is that a star play? Is there is there a star player in the NFL? Are you telling me that there's a star player in the NFL right now named Frank Clark? Yeah, it's um, kind of a star, I guess. Like pretty good. No." That sounds like a double creative, digit sacks for the Seattle Seahawks. That's like, a yeah. creative player name. Twenty five years old, Clark, younger guy. Get out of here! I, yeah, no, it sounds it sounds hilarious. I think the Chiefs are giving way too much up for him. Next, you're gonna tell oh, me I don't, you don't want Frank Clark analysis. This isn't locked on Frank Clark. Frank Clark NFL. Next, you're gonna tell me that the player who has been most exciting in the first round of the NBA playoffs is named something like, I don't know, Jared Dudley. <laughs> like Frank Clark. Jared. Get out of here, Get, Jared Dudley. That's preposterous. You look at Igor Kokoskov getting fired. There's a name that is not anything even close to what a Frank Clark or Jared Dudley is. Igor Kokoskov is fired from the Phoenix Suns after just one year a part of the organization. We all know how big of a joke the Phoenix Suns organization is. Robert Sarver. The biggest joke of an owner there. Uh, there was a write-up by Kevin Artovitz of ESPN talking about the dysfunction going on in that organization. And so now you see what was a respected head coach or assistant coach. It's why they hired him to be their head coach. Gone after one year where you could not have had any expectations with the team that you had. You know, Maybe you could have expected Devin Booker to develop a little bit more. Doug, we know how much you're in love with Devin Booker as a basketball player. Maybe you can give your insight there. Devin you do, Snooker. You do have DeAndre Ayton on the roster. Snookering the fans. Mikhail Bridges is a good rookie. 50 points. How about 50 wins? So you have some young talent, but there's no way that anybody would expect them to win right now. And Kokoskov getting fired, it's just another move that the Suns make to continue to show that they are a clown show. And so now when you look... At the other teams that are basically in that realm of clown shows, we came up with the biggest ones there. It's Phoenix, it's Sacramento, and it's the New York Knicks. And maybe Minnesota is flirting with that realm. Like maybe Minnesota, they've got enough talent, but it's not because it's been a particularly well-run organization. Carl Anthony Towns was the selection. I guess you could have gone with a Chris Stapps Porzingis, but nobody was going with them. You know, he was the fourth overall pick. Jaleel Okafor had some real run as the number one overall selection. So I guess they did decide to go with Carl Anthony Towns. They did trade for Jimmy Butler. So that's why I don't think you can put him in that category with the Kings, the Knicks, and the Suns. But man, it just goes to show you, people that hate the Hornets organization, as not always likes to say, it could be worse. Well, listen, we all know people... We all have people in our lives, whether they be in our family or people that we work with, that have an inflated idea of themselves, their place in the world, and what they mean to other people. And, you know, it's the same kind of person that's, that puts something on Twitter or Instagram is like, oh, my mentions are going to blow up now. And it's like, no, you got, you got 30 followers, man. They're not going to blow up. I promise you. I swear to God, they're not going to do that. 
But the common denominator between these miserable franchises are they they're all run whether it's ownership or general manager general managership or both, they're all run by people who have this inflated sense of what their team should be, what level their team is on and how many years away they are from being in contention and how quickly organizations are able to bring themselves out of tank mode. See, it's easy to get into tank mode. It's easy to strip away all that makes a contending team. It's really, we're seeing it over and over. It's really difficult to then get back into gear and contend once again. A lot has to go right. And some of these organizations are just getting way too impatient. And that's what happened in Phoenix. And so when you look at a team like Philadelphia, who a lot of people consider to be the one team you can look at as a positive example as to why you should tank, it's tough because now Philadelphia, one, they need to get out of the second round. And this is a team that you have to look at, and they're in a pretty good situation. They got rid of future assets, but the way that they were able to get there as a direct result of tanking is they were able to acquire a Ben Simmons. They were able to acquire Joel Embiid. And even though there is the first round curse for Philadelphia 76ers picks, it's all about creating a pool of an extremely talented players and having a couple of them work out. And so Ben Simmons, he's worked out. Now, yes, you need the jump shot. There's things that are problematic with him being in the postseason. I get all of that. Those are well documented. And he needs to perform better in the postseason past the first round because he's performed pretty well the last couple games in the in the Nets series that he's had. But Joel Embiid is a certainly it's a guy that's a top 10 player in the league by any cause. You know, you look at Markel Fultz, that didn't work out. Jaleel Okafor wasn't a good selection for them, even Nerlens Noel. So you have some guys that didn't work out, but also, you know, I don't know how it's, it's all about how long do you want to tank? How quickly do you think that something should come of, of a nice form of a team? Uh, because people can look at the Atlanta Hawks as well, but they didn't tank necessarily. You know, like you look at John Collins, John Collins was selected well after what the Hornets would be selecting in 11th and 12th overall. You know, Kevin Herter was selected around that area as well. You know, Trey Young is the one guy you look at as a top three, top five pick for the Atlanta Hawks. And so while I do think it's probably the best decision to move on from Kemba Walker, it is why I've been hesitant to tank because there are a lot of problems with tanking. And even Philadelphia, that's the one team that you look at in Philadelphia where you can result, you can have a positive result, a good a good situation to be in, and yet it's still not like they're winning the championship or they haven't even gone to the Eastern Conference Finals yet. And it's ruining potential superstars in this league. I mean, I think that's why Adam Silver should be concerned because I think the situation that happened in Orlando when they just kept you know, getting top five draft pick after top five draft pick and never putting you know, the, the team together to contend, never going after veterans, just hoping that these young players were going to get better all by themselves – I think it it ruined the potential of Aaron Gordon being a, a superstar in this league. I think what you're seeing happen in Phoenix is potentially ruining uh, the superstardom of Devin Booker and and maybe even DeAndre Ayton as well. So the, are they tanking incorrectly, right? Like, it, is is that something that you can look at? Because you can get some veterans maybe with Phil, with 
Phoenix. You know, it's going to be tough to maybe be an attractive destination for some free agents, but you can get some veterans on those rosters and be that be beneficial to them. So are they just tanking incorrectly? And can the Hornets look at that and think, you know what, if we have to move on from Kemba Walker, how do we tank differently to where we're not a Phoenix organization, to where we're not one of these other organizations where it hasn't worked out, just tanking and getting rid of every single amount of talent that we have? I think it's tough to sell veterans to go to Phoenix anyway just as a city and as the the state of Arizona has Is Phoenix ha- a bad city? I don't think that. Well, there are some problems in Arizona. You want to get into them? Well, no, I don't. I'm not equipped <laughs> to get into the problems that the state of Arizona has. I didn't know if you just wanted to get it's into the same it problems that the city of Boston has. What do you mean? I, I listen, it's it's a conversation for another day. I'm just asking you to back up your argument. I feel like that's very fair to say. Yeah, I mean, I think there are problem <laughs> there are racial problems that are 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 Where's involved. the jazz music? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I set you up, and then I immediately called for the jazz music. That's just being a good host right there. That's excellent hosting on my part. Yes, well documented, Doug. Thank you for the problems that Phoenix has. Let's move on. Okay, so apart from that, if you're going to change coaches every five years, it's not going to be or every year for five years. It's not going to be an attractive destination for veteran basketball players. When you're not saying, and you're an organization, not not good ones, not not really good ones. No, not good ones. And and you've got you've got people in Phoenix right now, like citizens that are spending time at at city council meetings, speaking out against ownership. Like you don't Mina, even have the city behind you. You don't Mina even have Kimes the people say, behind you. As Mina Kimes would say, just old ladies dunking on Robert Sarver. That's it, man. I mean, <laughs> that, who idea. wants to go to a city like that and play for an owner like that where you don't even have the city, the people behind you? It just doesn't seem like an attractive destination for anyone. And I, I just think it's a disaster for the NBA. It's why when talking about some of the jobs that were open, like when Ernie Grunfeld was fired from the Washington organization, remember Ernie might have been bad at getting talented basketball players on that roster, but the ownership allowed him to have that job for a while. So you could look at where people want their jobs and they'll often look at the owners and you can go to Washington and think, okay, I'll have a lot of time here. But Phoenix even if that job is open and you have some young guys that are going to be considered stars in Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, you don't want that job because you're not going to have enough time to get out of hell. And when you look at the Sacramento Kings, well, even if I am successful and pass expectations with the roster that I have, Vlade Divac and Rana Dive are going to get rid of me extremely quickly. I can't, I can't do anything with this roster. I'm not given, I'm not given enough time. And New York is a little bit different because James Dolan will give you time. It's just he's going to do other things that run that organization into the hellhole. I just found another NBA mock draft. This one on fan-sided, nothing but Nets blog by Phil Watson. Are we going to different teams mock drafts now? Is that what we're doing? (laughs) Well, no, this one's a full mock draft. It's mock draft 1.0, which, by the way, I love that. I love when people name... This is the first one. This is a fresh batch right here. That's right. Number one, 1.0 in April. We're months away from the NBA draft, but that's not stopping... Stop teasing me, Doug. That's not stopping these these draft experts (laughs) from getting out there, getting ahead of the game, and mocking it up. Number 12. Stop teasing me, Doug. I need the Charlotte Hornets. Small forward out of North Carolina. Oh! Nasir Little. All righty. Nas Little... Both of us not a fan of old Nas Little to the Charlotte Hornets. No, this we, would be a bad pick. We I, would not like that selection. You have to avoid the guy who has a great tournament, which Nasir Little unquestionably had 
for North Carolina. You got, you got to avoid that guy. You got to look at what happened during that regular season and understand the limitations that Nas is going to have. I think if if Nas Little turns out to be a good NBA player, it's going to be year four, five, six. I mean, years down the line. Same with Malik Monk. Both of those guys just waiting on their time, baby. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We'll get to some of your tweets next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I can't tell you on wax. I will explain. <laughs> you got your sources? I have. Can you explain what on wax means? I can't tell you on wax right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Bringing all the NFL updates to you on Locked on Frank Clark. Real time, Ian Rappaport tweets in that, quote, this is happening. The trade is agreed to. Here we go. Rappaport. Locked on Frank Clark. Going to the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't like this deal, Doug. Oh, boy, but I I like this way too early 2020 (laughs) NBA mock draft by Sam Vicini. 2020? (laughs) Oh, Vicini going a year ahead, skipping ahead, and I like it. It, It's amazing. The way too early mock draft. We're getting to it even before the 2019 NBA draft has even finished yet. This is what the people want. They want this draft news from 2020, the future, the year 2000. So you heard it here second. It was Sam Vecini that you heard it first, and now we're promoting his article. So you heard it on Locked on Hornets second, who the Hornets can be expecting in the 2020 NBA draft. Yeah, and Vecini is not speculating on who would actually be drafting uh, these players because obviously going to be tough to tell. Because he's a coward, right. He's he's an absolute coward. But I think we can safely assume that the Hornets will be drafting 12 once again next season. Uh, 11 or 12. Do we go back to 11? Well, which one do you want to go? Because I can give you both. Oh, yeah, I want both. Come on. All right, so at number 11, the Hornets would be selecting Nico Mannion, who is right now finishing up his studies at Pinnacle High School mm, yeah. in Phoenix, Arizona. Big Nico Mannion fan. Big Nico. Love the tri- Committed to Arizona. 6'3 guard. Yep. Yep. Absolutely love the player. Big Nico Mannion fan. Hope he falls there. All right. What's our 12th overall now, selection? Now, if the Hornets are extremely successful next season mm-hmm. and fall to the 12th overall selection, they will be selecting a 6'4 guard, a freshman out of Illinois right now, so he will be a sophomore next season, Ayo Desunmu. Ayo. Ayo. Desunmu. I'll take Ayo. Wrapping a port. He's averaged, he averaged 13.8 points, 3.3 assists his freshman year at Illinois. There you go. All right, Charlotte Sports Despair, he tweets in, so the discussion on Miles winning the starting job over MKG reminded me they were always hesitant to pull he and Nick out due to psyche concerns. Mm -hmm. I think Nick's performance late in MKG's, quote, just want to be happy, end quote, bore that out pretty well. Doug, what are your thoughts on our buddy Charlotte Sports Despair's tweet to us? I totally agree. I mean, I think people, I think you'll hear it from coaches and players. Oh, I don't care where I play. You know, I just want to, I just want to contribute. You know, you hear players say that they care more about the touches, you know, than, than are they starting or are they not starting? I think it's total BS. I think there still is this idea of starting in the NBA being a a noble thing, a thing that you can it's a feather in your cap. And when when players any I think these guys are all creatures of habit too. 
And and these players, Nick and and I think it's safe to assume MKG, they've been starting their whole lives. Like they came out of the womb and they were getting 20 minutes, yeah. you know, 20 plus minutes a game as a starter. Here's your jersey. Right. So <laughs> yeah, when you shift those roles, um, it's going to be really difficult. And I think to I think back to Jeremy Lamb and how he took it, and I think he said all the right things, but I also I'll speculate that he was probably frustrated by the whole situation, but I think it's a testament to him and probably the surest indicator that whatever team bets on Jeremy Lamb next will not be disappointed that he went into the went into that post getting benched era and really put up great numbers. And real quickly, MKG did respond to it early so well because it was a different role for him. And you I did, have to. And you I, have to respond to it. But well. he didn't keep it up. No, this is somebody that wasn't getting a whole lot of minutes. I was surprised to see him respond so well to it. I'm not responding verbally. You mean on the court. I mean on the court. Of course. You know, he wasn't dogging James Borrego, the new head coach, because everybody's trying to get in his good graces. So I I get you there. Everybody is going to respond to it verbally well. But on the court, I think MKG, remember how valuable we were talking about him at the beginning of the season. He was one of the more valuable guys. It was Kimba, number one overall. And then you had Tony Parker in that mix, and you had MKG somewhere in there. Actually, I take that back. You don't have to respond to it well, and I'm sure the people listening right now are thinking of plenty of examples around the NBA of players that they're that plotting got, against you that got sent to the bench and did not take it well, and and were you know sending sort of subtweet missives uh, in the media when they did get benched. So I, I, I'm sure that happens with other teams, but it doesn't happen with the Charlotte Hornets, and I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they've brought in team guys over the years. I mean, they've always, I feel like, prioritized boring players, not on the court, but off the court, guys that weren't going to do that kind of thing, and 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 chemistry guys, guys that were all about the team. And, you know, whatever you think about what that's done to the team as a whole and its ability to sort of excel and make it's the It's been playoffs. a hell of a locker room, Doug. <laughs> it's been a great locker room. All right, Patrick Connor, he tweets in at us after our conversation yesterday. He says, quote, I'd rather have Miles and Graham over just SGA. And we've talked about that a little bit. It's a great stat by Patrick. Two greater than one. I agree. Yeah, it is more players that you're getting rather than just having the one you would have had had you not traded him. So SGA being on this team is is a guy, we all know, I like SGA quite a bit, but it is something that we talked about. You know, Miles Bridges and Devontae Graham being a useful second round selection, getting run when they decide when they decided to go to the young guys. It it makes some sense to have both of these guys on the roster, and we'll see exactly where the Hornets are picking next season or this this off season, I should say, and who they're going to have play for them next season. But remember, we're still talking about a point guard, right? Like if Kobe White were to fall to where the Charlotte Hornets were selecting, then a lot of people I have seen want Kobe White for this team. And even a Nikhil Alexander, I was, was in your mock draft yesterday, but a point guard would still be well within the rights for the Hornets to take at that point. And do remember that, you know, to, to be successful in the NBA and to be successful in the playoffs, you do need star players. But you also need to build your roster, and you need to have depth. And, I mean, when the Hornets have been successful, they've had really good depth. And, uh, you know, guys like Miles and Devontae are going to provide this team with good depth if they are fortunate enough to hit on a draft pick or if Mitch Kupchak is able to swing one of those huge deals that he was famous for in Los Angeles. You need to uh, build up your youth 
and and build it with serviceable players. And I think that Devontae is absolutely going to be a serviceable point guard in yeah, the future. I agree. And one thing I didn't mention yesterday after Bobby Mark's tweet about that's why he was concerned with the Hornets trading SGA to the Clippers. You know, it, it's not like the Hornets would have drafted SGA had they not had plans to trade him. They would have drafted Miles Bridges in the first place because it was pretty clear that's who Mitch Kupchak valued. I understand that you do get a couple of assets in return for sending SGA to the Clippers, but they would have drafted Miles Bridges in the first place. So it's not like they drafted a guy that they really wanted to keep and then decided to send him there because they like Miles okay. They would have drafted Miles Bridges number 11 overall. So it, it is... I don't know. It's it's not like the Charlotte Hornets just gave up on SGA. It's that they never really had intentions to keep him in the first place. I think that is important to note when considering Bobby Mark's tweet. All right. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Hornets here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, the Himalaya Podcast app, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow.